Well, Virtus just informed me that the Nuggets are playing in 10 minutes, so I got to hurry it up. So, <laughs> it's going to be the longest 10 minutes of your life. So, Numbers chapter 17, if you'll turn there. That's why we have those recording devices, VCRs or whatever they are. So, I don't know if you can. Luke knows all that, so my son. So. Numbers chapter 17, if you'll turn there again. We've got some extra Bibles on the front platform if you need to grab one, and we want to cover 17 and 18 tonight and uh, see what God has for us. While you're turning there, a couple of things, and that is um, that we have the medical missions uh, this Saturday, 9 o'clock to noon. We're going to be sorting out uh, some medication that's going to be then shipped to Cambodia. If you can help with that, that would be a tremendous blessing. And so 9 o'clock here at Calvary Chapel is when we're going to begin. Dr. Song is back from Cambodia. I've talked to him briefly because he comes back and then he starts his shifts at the hospital. And uh, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time to talk when, when he's on shifts. So uh, he's going to fill me in on his trip on Friday. And so uh, he'll have a report for us. And I'm excited to hear how things are going there in Cambodia with the hospital that we sh- shipped all that supplies and equipment to. So... Looking forward to that. Then also, guys, remember, um, we do have a men's breakfast on June the 6th. I believe that is the first Saturday of June. So I don't know if that got put in the bulletin, but mark that on your calendar. June 6th at 8 o'clock is when we will have a men's uh, breakfast at Golden Corral. So just so you know those things. Everything else is in your bulletin. There is quite a bit going on. We do have uh, a uh, pre-registration for Vacation Bible School that has taken place. So parents, so you can pre-register your children. Also, some flyers to hand out to invite neighborhood kids or family members that have kids or things like that. I believe up to this point, we've had a few calls this week. We've got about 40 kids pre-registered right now. So um, we want to continue seeing more and more come, and we want to be able to minister the love of Jesus Christ to them. And uh, we're looking forward to having a lot of fun. Also, there is still some uh, needs for snacks and bringing snacks. If you can help with that, that would be a tremendous blessing. And sign up is there at the information desk. And also, ladies, you will have a breakfast hosted by my wife at our house on June the 13th. And uh, all that's in your bulletin. And there is a sign up for that as well. And no, Virtus, you cannot come. And, uh, and there is um, for you to bring... Um, a little something to help out with that breakfast so you can get all that at the information desk so father we thank you that even though it's summer and and there's a lot of activity going on and busyness and people traveling and things like that and it is a time where we can get away and be refreshed and renewed and we thank you for those times that as we come into this place and we are able to sit in a comfortable facility and in comfortable chairs that we can just uh, rest in you tonight and just take in the things that you have for us and Lord, at the end of the day, it can be um, tiresome as, as we've been busy all day. So help us be attentive to the things that you want to say to us. And Lord, I pray that you would just bless this time um, and that you would pierce our hearts as your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So do the work that you desire to do. We know that your word will not return void, but may accomplish what it is that you desire in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. So in Numbers chapter 17 we read, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses, 
twelve rods, write each man's name on his rod. And you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, for there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. And then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I will meet with you. In verse 5, it shall be that the rod of the man whom I chose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. And of course, Numbers chapter 17 goes along very closely with what we saw last time in chapter 16. And of course, the whole book of Numbers is given an account of the children of Israel in their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. It's interesting that the book of Exodus talks about the uh, building of the tabernacle and the giving of the law, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And so it talks about the first year of their exodus as they are out there in the wilderness at the mountain of God, receiving the law of God, also receiving the instructions Moses was to the pattern of the tabernacle in the priestly garments. And so that's the first year of their exodus. And then also they would receive the ceremonial laws and the civil laws given to them by God as well. The book of Leviticus only covers a span of about 30 days, as we saw the duties and responsibilities that were given to the priests, how they were to perform the sacrifices, and more of the civil regulations that would be given to them. But the book of Numbers covers a span of about 38 years, 39 years. It began with that uh, census there in chapter 1 of the children of Israel in the second years. They began uh, the second year of their exodus. It will end with another census of the new generation that will go into the promised land in the last year of their exodus. And so, uh, of course, we have seen that it's going to be this generation that came out of Egypt that's going to die out there in the wilderness. And as you look at the 40-year span that is recorded for us in the book of Numbers, all the events that are taking place, there's really only a few events that are recorded for us during that 40-year span. And, And the events that take place, though, is showing us why it is that they spent 40 years out in the wilderness. So they're very important lessons that we are learning. One of the things that Paul the Apostle would write to the church at Corinth is, is that the things written in the Old Testament are for our lessons, for us to learn from. And certainly we can learn from the stories of the Old Testament, the things that please God, the things that um, we ought to be doing in our lives and walking with the Lord. And we can learn also the things that displease the Lord, the things that uh, are sinful, the things that we should not be doing in our walk with the Lord. And certainly the book of Numbers is showing us the things that do displease the Lord because we've seen their murmuring and their complaining. In chapter 11, God heard their complaints and he was displeased with them. They were complaining against the provision of the Lord. We saw that it was Marion and Aaron in chapter 12 that came against Moses and the calling of Moses. Chapters 13 and 14, we saw how it was the Lord that desired for them to go into the promised land. But as they sent spies, 12 spies in, they came back after 40 days, those spies, of covering the land. They said it's a good land, just as the Lord said, flowing with milk and honey. But there's a problem, and that is Anakins are there, giants. And they're all over the place, and there's other inhabitants that are in the land. And we're going to get gobbled up. We're back grasshoppers in their sight. And so they began to complain. There was a hardness of heart. There was a sin of unbelief. 
we associated that with what was written in the book of Hebrews as the book of Hebrews talks about how there is a rest for you and I as Christians to enter into and uses them, the children of Israel, in Numbers chapters 13 and 14 as that example of not entering into the rest. They were to go into the land trusting God in his promises given to them and to rest in that and to take the land and to rest in the land, but they did not because of their unbelief. And so the Lord said that that generation that was complaining and saying that we can't go into the land, the land's going to devour us, and our children are going to die in the land. The Lord said, your carcasses are going to be spread throughout this wilderness. And it is going to be your young ones that are going to see the land. They're going to conquer the land, which, of course, we see in the book of Joshua. And so important lessons for you and for me as we journey in this life, in our spiritual walk, we've come out of Egypt, we've been saved by the Lord. But you see, Jesus, as he said, that he came to give us life and that eternal life, but life abundantly. And he desires for us to experience that life of blessing and rest in the Lord, trusting him. And it comes by as we believe in his promises for us, then we enter into that rest. And so we've talked about that quite extensively as we've been going through the book of Numbers. But it's so critical for us to understand it and get it down into our hearts. The Lord, this is what your word declares. Your word is true. It's unchanging. We're going to see that in Hebrews chapter 6. That's going to be one of the emphasis that the writer of Hebrews is going to bring across is that God's promises are true for us. His word is unchanging and is true and steadfast. And we can stand on those promises. We can enter into his rest. And then we have that life of peace in our hearts. We have that life of, of rest in our souls. We have that life of just trusting the Lord, which brings us strength and peace and brings us um, comfort and and assurance that God is going to come through in what he says in his word. And so all these things we've been talking about, but we've seen that this generation continues to complain and murmur. And in chapter 16, we saw that Korah, who was a Levite, came against Moses, didn't he, and Aaron, came against the priesthood as they said that we're special. Every single one of us are special is what Korah did and said to Moses as they rose up against Moses, Korah, and some other men and 250 leaders of the congregation. And so they came, and there was the Lord that, of course, would deal with them very severely as it was the 250 leaders that were told to light your censers. In other words, you guys want to challenge those who are called to be priests, and you want to be priests? then go ahead and do the priestly ministry. And so they would light their censers, which was the duty of the priests, but they would be consumed by fire, wouldn't they? And it would be Korah, who was a Levite that wanted to be the high priest. He wanted to take Aaron's place, that he would be swallowed up as the earth opened up and would consume him and his family. And so any time that we have that spirit of rebellion or any time that that we try to put somebody down, to elevate ourselves in a position that God has not given to us, it's bad news, and we'll be swallowed up and end up in a pit. And any time that we try to do a ministry that God hasn't called us to do, that you're going to get burnt out on it. And I've seen it happen so oftentimes. People say, I want this ministry. And, and you can do ministry out of the flesh for a short time, but you're not going to last long, and you are going to burn out. And I've seen it happen over and over again in people's lives. 
That's why, folks, when I talk to you about needs that are here at Calvary Chapel in the ministry, and there are certainly needs that we have, I want the Lord to lay it on your heart. I want Him to call you to that ministry. Because I can sit here in this chair or behind the pulpit, and I can manipulate, and I can plead, and I can beg, and I can slam my fist down on the pulpit, and we need to do all of this. I don't want to do that. And that's one of the things um, that we need to be careful in. I want you to be spirit-led. And we hear a lot in the church at large today about purpose-driven. I want you to be spirit-driven. I want you to be spirit-led. And whatever it is that the Lord has for you to do, wherever he has called you and placed on your heart, the gifts that he's given to you, and those are the things that we're going to cover here tonight. So we see that, that the Lord here, in, in case that you guys in chapter 16, the children of Israel, you didn't get the message there, I'm going to show the children of Israel that indeed what I have declared, that Aaron and his descendants have the priestly ministry, Aaron is the high priest, I'm going to confirm it so the complaining will stop. So each of the 12 tribes of Israel, one leader from each tribe was to have a rod. Now keep in mind that a rod is just simply a short stick. It had to be short, and you'll see why in just a few verses. But it was a short stick. It's just a dead piece of wood. And so put the names on all of those rods. So there actually would be 13 rods, wouldn't there? 12 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and have Aaron put his name on one of the rods of the tribe of Levi. Remember that Joseph, one of the sons of Jacob, who was a patriarch of the 12 tribes of Israel, he had two sons, um, and he, those two sons, would be included in the 12 tribes of Israel. It would be Ephraim and Manasseh. Am I correct on that? So those are part of the 12 tribes of Israel, and then Levi would be there in the middle of the camp. But we see that they were to write their names down, and they were to have those rods put before the Ark of the Covenant there in the Holy of Holies before the testimony, the Ark of Testimony. Now, a couple of things. As I think about that rod, it speaks of God's authority given to an individual called to ministry, the, the, the working of God in their lives. I can't help but think about clear back in Exodus chapter 4. You remember that Moses, that he had a staff, a rod, didn't he? And it was Moses when he was talking with God there at the burning bush. You recall that the Lord said to Moses, as Moses was in that wilderness for 40 years, herding sheep, he was a shepherd, he had a staff, he had a rod, a shepherd's rod. And it was the Lord that said, what's in your hand, Moses? And, and Moses said, a staff, a rod. Throw it down. And so Moses did, and it turned into a snake, didn't it? And so Moses was instructed by the Lord to pick that rod up, and he did, and it, and, or the snake up, and it turned back into a rod. And we see that it was demonstrating to Moses that the God was going to work through Moses, that he was going to empower Moses to do the ministry they was called to do. But it's interesting, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 20, as Moses was then going to Egypt, he had not been to Egypt for 40 years. That as he was going, that it was then Moses went to Egypt with the rod of God. With the rod of God. It was no longer Moses' rod. It was the rod of God. So the question that I've asked you before and I'll ask you again tonight is what's in your hand that you can use for the purposes and the glory of God as he's called you to ministry. It might be a cup as you pour a cup of coffee for somebody out in a coffee shop. It might be a book as you read it to one of the little ones that are in the nursery. It might be a Bible as you lead a Bible study or disciple men. It might be a broom, a vacuum cleaner, a mower, a trimmer. It might be, you know, a screwdriver or a light bulb as you change lights, whatever it might be. 
And I pray that we would understand that the Lord will gift you and whatever it is that he's gifted you in, that he can use you for the glory of God and he can use you where you'll plan it presently with your family, in your uh, job occupation, in the ministry here at church or ministry in other places. So when he calls you, that rod that you have, a symbol of God's authority, a symbol of God's power working in you, this symbol of God's calling in your life, use it for his glory. And so Moses did. And so here we see that God is going to confirm that indeed that it is Aaron that is called to the high priestly office. I think that most of us know how the story is going to end, don't we? It's going to be Aaron's rod that's going to, to bloom here because we have seen over and over again that God has said that Aaron and his sons are to be the priest. And so God's word is unchanging. So verse 6, So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave them a rod apiece for each leader according to their father's house, Twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron in the house of Levi had sprouted and put, put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. And then Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. So each man had his name on his rod. The reason was, is so the rod that did blossom and, and had uh, fruit that was produced, almonds, ripe almonds, that they weren't fighting over it, saying, that's my rod. I know it is because I remember that nick in the rod or that knot that was there. Each man had a name so they could see that it was Aaron's rod. They went in and they saw and they took their rods, that dead piece of wood, and they went back each to their own house. And there's an important lesson here. As God calls you to ministry, as God, as he um, is working in your life, as you are doing the work of the ministry in a very humble way. And Aaron was the one that he was simply doing what God had called him to do, that it's going to produce fruit in your life. And as you are serving the Lord, fruit is produced. You see, in this rod that is budding here, it would have been enough if there was just a few buds, but here this has blossoms all over it. Real life, a dead piece of wood. And now it's alive. And that's you and me, isn't it? Because Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were dead spiritually, but God has made us alive. And we know that Jesus would say to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that Nicodemus, you must be born again if you want to see the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I say to you that you must be born again. And so he has made us alive. And I don't know about you, but ever since I've become a Christian, I feel so alive. And I know that there are those that go through life, they don't know the Lord, they've rejected the Lord, and there's just a deadness that is there. And I've known those that have come to the Lord and they said, for the very first time, I feel alive in my heart. I feel life that is there. And there is life in our hearts because the one who is the author of life dwells in our hearts. So he's the one that has made us alive. And then as we abide in him and as we serve him and walk with him, there is fruit that is produced in our lives. You see, here, God didn't choose Aaron because he was so special. Matter of fact, we've seen weaknesses in, in Aaron's life, haven't we? But he chose Aaron because he chose Aaron in the story. And it's very, very important for us to understand something. That when God chooses somebody to do that work of ministry, that he chooses them out of his grace and his mercy. 
It isn't because I, you know, he chose me to be the pastor here at Calvary Chapel because I am so special or so together or any of that. It's all by his grace. I don't know why he chose me, but I sure enjoy it. And I want to do everything that I can to be faithful to him in the ministry that he's called me to do and, and to be one that the life of Jesus Christ is being demonstrated as I live and the countenance of Jesus is being shown and, and it's being demonstrated, the reality of Jesus and the way I conduct myself and, and the way that I live my life and that life in my ministry, that not only uh, the evidence of Jesus being real, but there is real fruit in my life as well. And it's the same with you. Don't ever challenge somebody in the ministry that God has given to them because God will deal with you. He will deal with me if I do. If I begin to develop the attitude, oh, that pastor down the street, he's such a jerk. I don't understand why everybody, you know, he's not as good as teacher as me. That's a dangerous place to go. Aaron was called by God because God had called him. And so we need to move in the ministry that God has called us to. And as we do, he'll be responsible for the results of that. And so it's wonderful just to, to flow in that and just rest in that, that, Lord, you're going to do the work and complete it, the work that you're doing in me, just as he's going to do with Aaron, because we're going to see Aaron's going to die here in just a couple of chapters. But verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. And so we know that, um, it would be, as we have seen in the book of Exodus, in the Ark of the Covenant, there was what? The jar of manna, right? There was also was the tablets, the Ten Commandments, the, the tablets of stone, and then now Aaron's rod. Now, I've heard a lot saying, wouldn't it be neat to, to, to be able to see the Ark of the Covenant if it was found, to, to be able to look in it? You know, to, to see those things. Hebrews chapter 9 is going to reiterate that those three things were in the Ark of the Covenant. But it, it's interesting. Think about it. A jar of manna, which speaks about their complaint against God's provision. There was the tablets with the law, which they broke the law. And you and I have broken the law. And then there's Aaron's rod, which speaks of their rebellion against what God has placed in ministry, who he has placed in ministry. Not a real good picture of or symbolism of those things in the Ark of the Covenant, but what was on top of the Ark of the Covenant? The mercy seat. And there was atonement was made for the nation. And I am so thankful that Jesus Christ, because of my rebellion and because of my murmuring and complaining and and I've broken the law, just as all of us have broken the law, that, that there is mercy and there is grace as he has shed his blood for you and for me. You see, the mercy seat was the place where the high priest would come through. We're going to talk more about this on Sunday in the book of Hebrews and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat to make atonement. Jesus Christ is the one that shed his blood for you and for me. And now we have mercy and grace in our lives. And then as we finish the chapter, so the children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, Surely we die, we perish, we all perish. And whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? And so this, this fear that people have, recognizing their rebellion and their figure that, well, we're all going to die. And, um, and this fear is interesting. It's not going to last long because we're going to see them in a couple of chapters once again complaining against the Lord. Chapter 18, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house 
with, all, with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. So now that this has been settled, once again, who we have called to be the priests, I'm going to reiterate, the Lord says, and notice that the Lord spoke to Aaron. Now this is one of the few places in this chapter that the Lord spoke directly to Aaron. Usually he would speak to Moses, Moses, go and tell Aaron and his sons. But here the Lord is speaking directly to Aaron, and he's reiterating the responsibilities that, that they had. Aaron, from your family, is going to be the priests, and then from your tribe, the Levites, they're going to be given to you to assist you in the priestly ministry. And we've been talking about this. But here's the thing. Here's the thing to remember. Why would the Lord again be reiterating to it? Aaron... I have confirmed that you are indeed the high priest. And I'm confirming once again that your sons are in the priestly office. I'm confirming that the Levites are to come alongside to minister with you. So make sure that you understand what your duties are. You see, in ministry, there is authority given by God. And then there is accountability before God. They go together. They always go together. Never forget that. There is the authority given by God, and then there is the accountability before God. And God never gives authority without accountability. And that's very important for every single one of us that minister, whether we minister in our home, whether we minister in the workplace, whether we minister to a group of people, me as the pastor, I need to remember that. Aaron didn't say, okay, that settles that. You know, Korah, he learned his lesson and the people and the plague that went through and killed 14,000 people. You know what? That will really shut them up, and I'm just going to do whatever it is that I want to do. He was to continue to minister out of humility and out of the instruction of the Lord. He was to be accountable before the Lord. And every single one of us have accountability, whether we're husbands and wives. You see, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that, Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. In other words, you're accountable before the Lord. Husbands, how it is that you treat your wives? How is it that you are to love her as Christ loved the church? You are accountable before the Lord, wives, in your ministry to your husbands and respecting them and being submissive to them as unto the Lord. That's what it means in verse 21. And that's why when I take every single couple through premarital counseling or in marriage counseling, that that's an important verse to understand. There's responsibilities given. Yes, husbands, we're to be the heads of the house. We're to love our wives in a way that Christ loved the church. That means that to cherish her and love her and serve her and lay down your life for her. But you're accountable before God. You are accountable before God. And you're to do it in the fear of the Lord. That's what it means. And wives, it's the same with you. Children to their parents, employees to their employers, employers, your relationship, as you're given responsibilities to your employees. In the ministry, me as a pastor, I have accountability before the Lord. It doesn't mean that I come in and, and start being one that lords over others and being prideful and arrogant. I am to come in with fear and trembling every single day that I come into this place knowing that I am, first of all, accountable before God in the ministry that he's given to me. Second of all, that I'm accountable to the leadership that is here. I just don't do what I want to do. And the biggest danger to this church, Calvary Chapel, is when Pastor Jeff wants to do what he wants to do, not what God wants to do, or not being accountable to anyone. 
And unfortunately, there have been ministering churches where the leader just goes off and starts doing what he wants to do, and he takes a whole lot of people with him. Look at Korah. Look how many people that he drug in his rebellion and arrogance and in his pride. So that's why this is important for us to understand. We saw this nasty story given to us. It was not a pretty picture in this rebellion and arrogance and pride in chapter 16. Chapter 17, I'm confirming Aaron is the high priest. And in chapter 18, understand this, Aaron, that there is accountability and you are to continue to minister in the way that I've instructed you. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that's a tremendous blessing about going through the scriptures chapter by chapter and verse by verse is I see very clearly how the Lord wants me to minister as a shepherd i look at the example of moses who was humble before the lord who cared about the people interceded even when they were ready to stone him i learned from those things and i see the heart of god how it is that he desires for me as a shepherd to feed the sheep and attend the sheep i i see that very clearly so i i understand the heart of god for me as a shepherd and i am accountable before him and then i am to minister in that way and all of us are accountable before the lord so if god gives authority and headship and whatever it may be he gives order he establishes that there is special accountability that that person's had and always remember that as husbands as wives parents as employers whatever it might be as you minister to others as you lead ministry as a pastor, whatever it might be, there's accountability before God. And then in verse 2, also bring with your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness. And they shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die, they and you also. And they shall be joined with you to attend the needs of the tabernacle meeting, for all the work of the tabernacle, but an outsider shall not come near you. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. Verse 6, Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you, given by the Lord, to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Therefore you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar, behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. So again, their responsibilities reiterated, their priestly duties at the altars, the high priest that would go behind the veil, as it's mentioned here uh, in verse 6. Also, uh, the Levites are given to you. We saw the different families of the Levites, the Maronites, the Gershonites, the Kohathites, their responsibilities. We're not going to go over that. We've already looked at that uh, quite carefully. All the responsibilities, remember what it is. No outsider is to come to approach the tabernacle. Only the priests were to go into the tabernacle. Not even the Levites went in. So all of this is, is being explained once again. And so the Lord says, I want you to know that this is the ministry I've given to you. But I want us to understand something. I think this is important to point out. Verse 6, again, Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you, given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And then in verse 7, Therefore you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service. Serving the Lord is a gift from God. And that's something else that I hope that we understand very clearly. I've come to understand that the ministry that God has given to me is a gift. 
And I want to come in every single day, not only with knowing that I have accountability before the Lord, and I want to come in with fear and trembling. I, I, I don't mean that in a way of an unhealthy fear. I want to come in with, you know what, Lord, I, I see it as such a privilege and such an awesome thing that you would call me to minister here in this church, to, to be the pastor of this flock. But I see it as a gift as well. I see it as a gift to be able to be the pastor here at Calvary Chapel. And whatever ministry that you have, whether it's raising your children, and sometimes it doesn't always feel like a gift when they're getting under your skin and you're pulling your hair out and you're going, if you, they're a gift. And moms and dads, you having the opportunity to raise them in the ways of the Lord, that's an important ministry and a gift that he's given to you. Those children are a gift. Whether it's, it's working in the nursery, whether it's working with the children's ministry or in the coffee shop, whatever it might be, that serving the Lord is a gift. We don't get a gift because we deserve it. And one of the things that will quickly get under my skin is when somebody says, I deserve this ministry. Because none of us deserve ministry. It's been given to us opportunities, and it's a gift to be able to, to function in the gifts and abilities and the function in the ministry that God has placed before us and called us to. But never lose that perspective. And if you lose that perspective, then the murmuring and the complaining comes. It is a tremendous gift from God for us to be able to serve in the body of Christ. And I pray that, that as we minister and and minister with youth and with the children to those who are lost, that we would see it in that way. One of my big concerns is that we minister to our young people in a way that, that we help them get established in God's Word. And I am so thankful for those who have worked in the children's ministry, presently working in the children's ministry, because they really feel that calling. They really know that that's a calling of God. They they, they have those kids on their hearts, and it's, it's wonderful to see that. And we've had those working with the children for years, been faithful in doing that. But folks, we got needs. And I pray that, that the Lord would just continue to lay on the hearts of those that say, you know what, I can teach children once a month. I can take the curriculum, and I can read it, and I can share it with those little ones. And it's important for us to do that. Again, one of my concerns is it's because the church at large is going off in so many different tangents. And this last weekend, we had so many kids graduate from high school. I believe I counted it up that the kids that go here to Calvary Chapel, I think we had 10 to 12 graduations from high school. And that's a neat thing. But it's a time for me to reflect as a pastor and say, have I done everything that the Lord has called me to that when those kids came here, and some of them grew up in this church, that we did everything that we could to give them the love of Jesus Christ and to get them grounded in God's Word? And it's a real time of me just seeking the Lord and reflecting on the Lord because these kids are growing up. Next week, my third one's going to go in the youth group. And I think, wow, she was just in the nursery, it seemed like. I got one that's going to graduate high school, my first one next year. And they grow up so quickly, and there are so many temptations out there, 
and deception that is out there, so many things for, to take them away from the Lord. And what I pray is that we would see as an honor and a privilege that the children that come, when they come to Vacation Bible School, we've got 40 kids. And one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to make up a list of those kids and we're going to go through and start praying for them this weekend, everyone by name. And pray for those kids to see it as a, 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 a privilege and a gift to be able to have these kids and minister to them. It's not always easy. But it's essential. And to look at Scripture, what the Lord has to say concerning ministering to children, to youth, to those having a heart for the lost, that I pray that we reach out, that we see it as a, something that is very special because it's special in the eyes of the Lord. I give you the priesthood, and every single one of us are a priest. He says, I give you the priesthood as a gift for service. And every one of us as a priest in the New Testament's meaning of the word has something to do and to give to others and to see it as a gift from God that we are to function in that way, to be a blessing to others. And I pray that we would just continue in that mode and continue to see it in that way. Hey, the Levites I've given to you to assist you, Aaron. It's a gift for service. And I'll tell you what, you who have come along and served faithfully in this ministry, and we've got a lot of people that serve, not just children's ministry, coffee shop and a bookstore. They come and clean. They, they mow the lawns. They do all kinds of things. I am so grateful for you. And it's a blessing to me and a gift for me. Those who lead worship, those who, who make meals for others, those who will just do all kinds of things. And it's a tremendous blessing. So here are the duties of priests and Levites, and then the support given to them. We'll go through the rest of the chapter very quickly. In verse 8, And the Lord spoke to Aaron, Here I myself have also given to you charge of my heave offering and all the holy gifts of the children of Israel. I have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. And this shall be yours of the most holy things reserved. From the fire, every offering of theirs, every grain offering, every sin offering, every trespass offering which they render to me shall be the most holy for you and your sons. In a most holy place you shall eat it, every male shall eat it, it shall be holy to you. And this also is yours, the heave offering of the gift and of all the wave offering of the children of Israel, I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. In verse 12, and all the best of the oil, the best of the new wine and grain, their first fruits, which I offered to the Lord, I have given them to you. And whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether man or beast shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. And those redeemed the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old, according to your valuation, of five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty geras. But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem, they are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar, burn their fat as an offering made by fire for the sweet aroma to the Lord. And their flesh shall be yours, just as the wave breasts and the right thigh are yours. 
In verse 19, all the heave offering of the holy things which the children of Israel offered to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. And then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion, your inheritance among the children of Israel. Now remember, the Lord's getting them ready to go into the promised land. You Levites, you priests, you're not going to be given a portion of land. You're not going to have an inheritance of the land. I am your inheritance. You're going to serve at the tabernacle. So since they couldn't have any land to raise animals and, and, and food and stuff, there was provision. There was the giving, the offering, the support of the priests. And it was in the, uh, the, the wave offering, the heave offering, all this that is spoken that we talked about, the giving of the firstborn. Then there was the redemption money given, the firstborn of man. There was a price on that. We've gone over all these things. And then in verse 19, a covenant of salt. It's interesting. Scholars speculate, what is the covenant of salt? Well, salt was used as a preservative. It, it was to speak of, they believed, that this covenant that God was making with them was to be preserved. So here's how the priests, here's how the Levites were to be provided. And so verse 21, the tithes in support of the Levites. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance of return for the work which they performed, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. And so here the support of the tithes and supporting the Levites so that they could minister. Now it's interesting, as the law of tithing is given in the Old Testament, when you go to the New Testament, do you realize that the law of tithing is not given? What is the qualification? Now, the New Testament says that we are to give. But it doesn't give the law of tithing, which is a tenth. The standard in which we are to give that we see in the New Testament, Paul says that the Lord wants us to give, what, cheerfully, willingly, and freely. Now, I think a tithe is a good standard. And is a standard that many people use. It's a standard that we use as a church. We as a church tithe, you see, ever since day one, that we've taken 10% of what comes in, and that is used to be able to bless others for missions, for outreach. That's why we're able to give tapes away. That's for the radio program that is we see. Oh, by the way, if you're out this summer and you're out on the Western Slope, 3 o'clock, 100.9 uh, FM on the radio in the Montrose area, Telluride, Delta, Peonia, Hotchkiss in that area, will be on Under the Fig Tree radio program starting this week. So, Tune us in, and it's a tremendous blessing for us to be able to do that. We're looking at possibly the radio uh, station being up in the next six months here in Wiggins that we can play under the fig tree radio programs here, the teaching ministry at Calvary Chapel here in Greeley and the other guys here in Colorado, and Pastor Chuck and some of the others, 24 hours a day. We're really excited, and that's what it's for. And one of the things that we're finding out is we can't outgive God. I mean, the, the, the ministries we support and far-reaching ministries and others taking the gospel out and, and those locally, 
Pregnancy Resource Center, Youth for Christ, helping those that are really in need. That's what we do. That's what that is for. And, and it's a blessing to, to have that and to be able to tithe and give and invest in the kingdom of God. It's not for buying equipment and salaries and all of this. And God has been so good and faithful. If I could sit here for another 15 minutes tell you some of the things we've done. We sent some money to Ed Taylor's. Those of you who read the Calvary Chapel magazine, Ed Taylor in Egypt, well, those Christians need a way to church. So Ed was, a bunch of us met earlier in the month, and he said we'd really like to buy a van for these Christians because in Egypt they don't have public transportation in a way that we do here and people have to walk and some of them can't get to church so can we get this van and get it done so they can get the christians and listen if you've ever been in the middle east or in africa where it's primarily muslim run and and islam is dominant that you want to do everything you can to help out the christians so we were able to help out with that so now they got a van to be able to go and pick up people and and that all goes back to to calvary aurora calvary chapel Greeley, some of the other guys that have helped be able to get that van, to be able to go pick up Christians so they can be in fellowship together. What a tremendous blessing for them. To be able to help out the orphanage in Thailand and Bonnie Manuel. To be able to do these things as we tithe. And I am very appreciative of your giving. And your giving willingly and freely and cheerfully. And we have provided for where you can do that here at Calvary Chapel. In 13 years, I've never, ever asked for money. And I don't plan on asking for money. Because I want you to give freely and willingly with your heart and understand that we take very seriously the, 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 the finances that we take in here at Calvary Chapel. And the Lord has honored that. He really has. And He has blessed that. And we've been able to give. We've been able to pay off the building. You know how many churches would love to be in that position? To be able to just, you know, to be good stewards of what God has given to us. And we pray for continued wisdom, but we're so thankful for the giving that is here at Calvary Chapel. So the Levites were given so they would be supporting, good, do the work in ministry. I'm thankful that I can be here full time and be here to serve and to be here to, to pray and to be here to, to minister to others. And then as we finish the chapter very quickly, and then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites, and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them as your inheritance, you shall offer up a heave offering to it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. And your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and the fullness of the winepress. Thus you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes, which you receive from the children of Israel, and you shall give the Lord heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. Of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord from all the best of them, the consecrated part of them. And therefore you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor, as the produce of the winepress. You may eat a, of in it any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 32, and you shall bear no sin because of it when you have lifted up the best of it, but you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel lest you die. And so we see here, Levi is tied to the priest. And again, when you really add up all the giving that they gave in the Old Testament, it was more than a tenth. It was they gave the first fruits, they gave, you know, the, the first of the wine, they gave the first of the 
crops. They gave the first uh, of, you know, the firstborn and all this. It really adds up to over 20% when all the giving that they were to give, the temple tax that they were to pay, all these things added up to more than 10%. So uh, in the giving that they were given to them under the law. When you give, one more point, and then we're going to pray. When you give, whatever it is, whether you give of your finances, whether you give of your time, whether you give of your, you know, ministry, whatever it is, that you would do it freely, that you do it willingly, that you remember that God has given us the very best gift, and that is His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we can give back to Him. And I, I pray for us, especially in the days in which we're living. There is so much uncertainty that is out there. We hear about the nuclear test that Korea is doing. I read an article in the Jerusalem Post about how the new Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, said, my priority is to get my country ready for all-out war against Iran. When we see the dangers and the confusion and, and the upheaval, that we will remember that we have hope in Jesus Christ, don't we? And that He's going to come and rule and reign. And I want to do everything that we can, this little fellowship, to get the gospel, the good news, and hope out to this community. I pray that we here at Calvary Chapel, that we would be light as we go out of this place. And that we would really pray for the lost. That we would really, Lord, I want to give opportunities so the furtherance of the kingdom of God. So we can do radio, so we can do outreaches, so we can do these things. I mean, not just do them to do it, but to be led by the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to make it hard for people to go to hell in Greeley. Because we're going out of this place, and we're ministering, and we're giving of our time. And that might mean just a neighbor that's going through a difficult time. It might mean that uh, taking time out and do a five-day club that as Ashley came, CEF, a ministry again that we support, and the neighborhood clubs and bringing the kids together. And even if you have two, three kids come, maybe helping out with Vacation Bible School. Maybe and just doing those things that you know is going to be a light to others, an opportunity to share with them, the hope that you and I have. And as we come into this place that we would be praying, that we would be seeking, because there's turmoil out there. And then we have the ability, because of God's goodness, to be able to do that, to be a light. But that we would do everything that we would do, it would be done freely and willingly, with a heart of thankfulness. Oh, and it's a gift. We got the best thing that we get to do in the world. You know, I, I used to think, you know, when I was growing up and the kids I was talking to, that, that you want to do. Some of them know what they want to do. Some of them don't know what they want to do. I remember their, I was their age. I thought it would be cool to be you know, a wildlife biologist. I remember when Sue and I first got married that I wanted to apply for a job in darting grizzly bears and tagging them in Yellowstone for months. She said, no, I don't want you doing that. I thought, I thought it would be cool, you know, and I wasn't smart enough. I think it'd be cool to be an astronaut going to outer space. All kinds of things that I think would be cool to do, but I'll tell you what, 
I get to do the very best thing. And so do you. And that is to share God's truth with others and to share the gospel with others. And to see lives change and, and people to know the truth because there are so many lies that are out there. And to do it with a heart of love and a heart that is excited. Let's don't lose that. Let's don't just get apathetic and lazy and sluggish and all of this because, hey, things are okay. Things are good. You know, things are comfortable. Let's press on. Let's press on and let's give. And however the Lord leads you and wherever he's placed you. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you desire to 